on the last day of the feast, the great day. Let me hear you say great day. Jesus stood up and cried out. He says this. Important now. Watch this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come out of Galilee? <laughs> Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a, read that next word, what's that word? There was a what? Division among the people over Jesus. Some of them, some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one, no one has ever spoken like this man. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is a curse. Nicodemus, though, who had gone to Christ before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Boy, there's a lot here today. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get to work. Father, thank you for what you're doing in your house. We confess right now that there is one true living God who rules and reigns above all things. Every single thing is created by him and for him to elevate his name, to bring him glory. This is why we exist. Our purpose is to glorify the name of our Father who is shown through Jesus Christ, his one true Son, who came into this world with the mission to redeem and restore all things, who lived like us and walked as a man, yet fully was God and man in one form, the incarnation. We believe that this Jesus died on the cross, took our sins, rose again to forgive our sins, to grant us access to God. We believe that he left us the Holy Spirit, who is God, dwelling in man, who gives us the understanding and ability to read scripture, to understand scripture, to speak with our Father. And God, we are your church your gathered ones, your ecclesia, who gather to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. We do not come to, to just celebrate. We do not come just to learn life lessons. Truly, we come as a mandate to gather and lift up Jesus Christ's name because when the name of Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Your spirit is here. Your presence is here. Father, I pray that you would move freely, give us open minds, open hearts, open hands, willing to lay our lives down and walk into death to follow you. Cleanse us of our consumerism, cleanse us of our selfishness, and may we become servants of the Most High God. This we pray in Jesus' name, and we all said powerfully, amen. amen. I said we all said powerfully, Amen. Good morning, church. I don't know if you got the memo. It's Memorial Day. You're not supposed to be here. Uh, nobody shows up to church on Memorial Day, but you're all a bunch of weirdos, so you came anyway. I'm thankful for it. Um, I like to preach to people. It's a whole lot better 
than just preaching at my wife. Amen? Any wives out there that can attest to that? Like, you just don't like it when your husband preaches at you. Anybody else like that? Yeah, some of you? Okay. I've gotten in trouble for that before. Um, I'm glad you're here. In fact, we have a lot of friends who are joining us online. Can we welcome our online family today? Just give them a, give them a round of applause. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're with us. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, hey, this is the last, uh, the last that we're going to be in Chapter 7. Next week, we're going to be jumping into Chapter 8, which is a hotly debated chapter. But to, for, for us today, I, I mean, I've been, ex- I'm, I've been excited about this series, and I've been excited about this passage. We're going to close it out today. There is some massive stuff at the end of Chapter 7. I've been so, I'm so excited to share this stuff with you. Let's just jump in. Grab out your notebooks. We're not going to waste time. Grab out your notebooks. You know that we're a church that worships in spirit and in truth. You've got to write this stuff down. Don't just put it on a bookshelf. Take it to a small group. By the way, if you're not in a small group, what are you doing? That's where you're going to make friends. That's where you're going to uh, grow in your walk with Christ. You can open up these questions and discuss them and, and really like, yeah, I don't agree with this. I like this. That's a good place for that, man. And uh, today is no different. Um, i got to give you a little bit of context, because if you join us for the first time, you're really going to be lost. So let me walk through that, because context is king. Context is going to inform us of so much, and the power to which Jesus speaks here is unbelievable. And it's so often lost because we've missed the context. Here's what you got to understand, and we're just going to move, okay? We're just going to move through this. We are picking up on the last day of the Festival of Booths, a.k.a. the Festival of Tabernacles, a.k.a. the Sukkot, okay? Now, this is one of the greatest festivals that the Jewish community celebrated. It's what's called a pilgrimage festival. You remember this, yes? It it means that Jews from all around would come to Jerusalem. And, I mean, we're talking a million-plus people cramming into Jerusalem. There's a lot of people. And they would build these booths, is what they were, these these, these tents. They're more than tents, though. They're like mini houses without roofs. And they would go and live underneath as a family. They would camp out and live underneath these booths for eight days. They did this because they wanted to remember the faithfulness of God in the wilderness. Cut back to a few thousand, you know, to, to time before, a thousand years before. Moses bringing the children of Israel, Israel, out of Egypt. Remember the story? And God was faithfulness in the wilderness. So this simply is the Jewish community, their way of remembering God's faithfulness in the literal wilderness. Now, we, got, we know that God is faithful in the metaphorical wilderness, and, and they would believe that too. But this was to remember God's faithful in the literal wilderness. And so they camp out underneath the stars, tell the stories of their ancestors and of Scripture to their children as a way of passing down knowledge. This is also called oral tradition. And was the, one of the ways that scripture was handed down from generation to generation through the telling of stories. And it was very specific and very common to understand scripture through the stories of your father and your grandfather. You guys up to speed? Yes? That's what this celebration was about. Now, a couple significant things that happen when you study these feasts and festivals, specifically this one. Eight days long. And each day, increasingly more important. So it's not that the first day wasn't important. It was. But here's what happened. On the first day, the high priest would come out, and they would make a massive amount of sacrifices. Now, let's define that, because this is not like in our world today. This is lost on us, okay? They would sacrifice upwards of 70-some bulls 
on an altar made of stone, and it was kind of like the center point of the temple. Okay, so you walk in, and here's the temple. It's a large area, and in the center is this big rock. Okay? And on this rock, they, they made this like an altar where they would take a living animal. Now, hang tight with me. A living animal would be taken to this rock. They would slit its neck, and blood would spill out and cover the altar, and they would set it on fire. Now, hearing that today, we're like, what? Like, if you weren't raised in church, this is the weirdest thing you've ever heard. I understand that. For us, like, church kids, we're like, oh, yeah, totally, animal sacrifice, totally normal. If this is not like your world, like, you're like, what in the world is going on? It's because it's symbolic or a representation of what was to come. You following me so far? They also believed that the shedding of blood was the only thing that could cover sin. So blood was necessary to cover sin. The problem was bulls animals, sheep, whatever animal they were sacrificing, it was only a temporary covering because it was an animal. In other words, the blood only lasted so long to cover your sins. You following me so far? Yes? And so it was symbolic. It was also foreshadowing. They believed that Messiah would one day come and his blood would actually be the eternal way of covering, uh, of covering sin. And so it was symbolic. In fact, if you were a Jew, this is how you were saved. Like, what, by killing animals? No. You were saved, get this now, in the belief that Messiah would come. I think this is so cool. Because say right here is Jesus Christ, the, the, the entrance of Christ into the world. To a Jewish community, they're on this side. And the way that they're saved is the belief that Messiah will come. Now, we're on the other side of history we're over here. How are we saved? We're saved by belief that Jesus was and is the Messiah. Amen? That's how we're saved. And so we find, we find these Jews who are right smack dab in the middle. And this is a difficult place to be because they're not quite over here where it's like Jesus is yet to come, but they're not yet over here where it's like we can point to Jesus has actually come. They're kind of in the middle. This is a difficult place to be. And Jesus is going from town to town, city to city, countryside to countryside, home to home, declaring, beginning to declare with even more fervency that he is the one that prophecy has foretold about. And so as we pick up here, we have to understand that on the eighth day, the first day, there's a lot of sacrifices. The next day, the, the second day, there's a little bit less sacrifice. The third day, until you get to the final day where there is just one animal, one bull to be sacrificed. And I want to explain what happens on this, on the eighth day. It's called the great day. Or it's also called the day of rejoicing. Now get this. On the eighth day, one bull was sacrificed. And keep in mind, there are a million people there. Every nook and cranny of this city is filled with people. It's not like, it's not like it is now where like a bunch of people show up and you're like, hey, where's, where's Jeff? Oh, Jeff got called into work. He couldn't come. Oh, it's a bummer. Like no one's working. Everything's shut down. Every single human being in the city is focused on this one act sacrifice of this animal. Upon sacrificing this animal, the high priest would take a goblet, 
he would walk over to a spring, which was in the center of the city, take this goblet, dip this goblet down into the water, and he would walk through a processional of people. And he would walk up to the altar, now with the burned up bull, and on this rock, he would take the water. Catch this now, this is so cool. He would pour this goblet of water over top of the dead animal remains in the rock. And then guess what would happen? The entire city would lose their mind. They would go nuts. They would begin to sing, dance, celebrate, shout, and yell. They would be excited. Have you ever heard a million people shouting in excitement? The entire city was lit, (laughs) going crazy. Not just for a minute, not just for five minutes, but for hours. Trumpets, harps, drums, dancing, singing, celebration. Everybody's excited. Why? Because it was the culmination. It was the, 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 the end all be all. The fact that one day, get this now, God, because of the sacrifice given, would pour out his spirit on his people like water. You guys with me so far? This is just the context to even get into the talk, okay? This water was incredibly significant because it stood for life, faithfulness, God's presence, God's spirit. Now let's pick up at this point. The sacrifice has been made. The water has been poured. In the midst of the celebration, a voice comes out. And it's the voice of Jesus. Watch this, what he says. On the last day of the feast, verse 37, the great day, two things real quick you should notice. Jesus stood up. Number one, rabbis normally didn't stand when they talked. In fact, they sat because they taught. All week, Jesus had been teaching and proclaiming. Two different things. Teaching was, we're explaining, getting into conversation. Preaching, also called proclamation, is preaching. That is him preaching and, and, and talking about the fact that he's a Messiah. He's doing neither one of these things here. Don't lose me now. He's doing neither one of these things. He's not preaching and he's not teaching. In, in fact, scripture says this. He stood up and cried out. That word cried out, cried, right there is the Greek word krazo, which means yell. Jesus wasn't preaching or teaching here. He was yelling. Why was Jesus yelling? Because everybody else was so loud. Jesus stands up, talking and demonstrating authority, and he yells. What does Jesus yell? At the height of the eighth day, the height of the festival, the height of the sacrifice and the pouring out of water, what does Jesus yell out? Look at what he says here. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Do not lose the significance of what Jesus just yelled. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Did you catch that? The height of the festival, the height of the celebration, the priest has just walked with with water, poured it over the sacrifice in this rock, this water, which is deep representation. And Jesus stands up and says, if you're really thirsty, you need to come to me for that water. You just imagine the electricity in that crowd. 
Can you imagine? And then he goes on to say this. Look at what he says in the next verse. Watch this now. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is bad. I'm just telling you. Like, the audacity that Jesus has in this moment is unreal. Can you imagine over a million people celebrating the, the faithfulness of God and the belief in the coming Messiah, and then all of a sudden a man stands up and says, hey, what you're celebrating? That's me. Hey, what you're looking for also? That's me. Can you imagine that? Jesus is teaching us something here incredible. And let's just kind of go back to this. See, when they poured out this water, first off, when they sacrificed this animal on the rock, the rock has great significance. And water has great significance. If you remember, it's all about God's faithfulness. In the wilderness is the story uh, from the book of Exodus about Moses. And, and the children of Israel, they're really thirsty. I mean, they're in the middle of the desert. There's nothing to drink. And God says, go over to that rock. And, and Moses goes to this rock. He smacks this rock. And water shoots out of this rock. Remember this story? Yes? This pouring of the water is symbolic of God's faithfulness. Even in the desert, he quenches their thirst. Now, what's amazing here is Jesus, in essence, is telling them, hey, guys, you know that rock that demonstrated God's faithfulness? You know how God's faithfulness came about? It was through me. I am the rock. That rock which is symbolic, that's me. That sacrifice you're making, that's symbolic of me. That water that you're pouring out, equally, that's me. If you're really thirsty, come drink from me. That's me. The things that you, the things that your father, the things that your father's father, the things that your ancestors celebrated through feasts, festivities, and all these things, all those are a representation and symbolize me. I am who you've been waiting for. That's what Jesus said with millions of people surrounding him. He said, I am the rock. I am the water. Elsewhere, Jesus just demonstrated by ripping up food. Remember this? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Elsewhere, he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. What is Jesus teaching us here? Jesus is quietly, not so quietly, but just very specifically demonstrating that he is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of all prophecy. He was the one responsible for the faithfulness that their ancestors had in the wilderness. Are you guys with me today? Are you following me? Yes? It wasn't just God being faithful. It was Jesus being faithful. Why? Because Jesus is God. So Jesus is demonstrating a couple things. Hey, man, I've been faithful in the wilderness. Why? I'm God. Well, I thought you were Jesus. I am Jesus. But I'm equally God. I'm God and man, perfectly. The incarnation, God, in a way that you can understand. You can't, I can't, we can't uh, get in front of God's glory. We would die. So the way that God's glory is demonstrated, made palatable for us, is through the man, Jesus Christ. This is where we, we, we've come to know, hypostatic union, fully God, fully man. Jesus demonstrating that he is both. And he stands up, and in this crazy voice, this yelling voice, he's like, that's me. Hey, everybody, that's me. Well, let's see how people reacted. <laughs> let's see how everyone reacted. Look here, verse 39. 
Let's start reading in verse 39. Sorry, I get really excited about this stuff because I think it's just so amazing. This is a passage that normally we just read through and we're like, oh, rivers of life, that's really a cool thing. Man, Jesus is going to quench my thirst. There's a lot more to it. Verse 39, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he's talking about this idea that, that this water that's going to fill you is going to be something that's going to come. See, God sends Christ to us. Christ ascends into heaven, and then he sends the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us. Now, by the way, when Jesus ascends to heaven, this was a shock to the disciples. You know this, right? They're all standing around like, I mean, like, the, like Jesus rises, right? You know, he raises up from the grave. He shows himself, and you know the disciples are, are then like, oh, man, it's game time. Like, Jesus just came back from the dead. Like, it's on now. This is going to be on. Jesus is like, oh, by the way, guys, I'm taking off. You know they had to be like, what? Like, seriously, Jesus? What do we do now? And Jesus is like, I don't know. See you later. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> but he, says he gives them a mission. He says, go. Go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. You know? And even an angel comes and says, why are you guys still looking up in the sky? Jesus didn't come back today. You need to go, build his church. And on the first day of them building this church, it's called Pentecost, it says that the Spirit was sent and filled them. This is the faithfulness of God. This is the pouring out of water. This is prophecy being fulfilled. And now you and I have the opportunity, don't miss this please, to have the living God take up residence inside of us. Now, I know that we'd probably all love to spend a day with Jesus, right? We'd probably take him to some of our favorite restaurants, you know. We'd have to swing by, down by Dirty Frank's downtown, you know. We'd have to go up north and, 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 and take him up to a, to a wonderful restaurant up there, you know, maybe a, maybe a, 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 a Brazilian steakhouse or something. And we'd have conversations. We'd ask him things. But here's the deal. The, the God that takes up residence inside of you is better than the God that will walk next to you. Please hear me on this. I know sometimes we wish we could trade places with the disciples and walk with Jesus, but none of the disciples would think that way because they all had to find Jesus all the time. Anybody know where Jesus is? Where'd Jesus go? Anybody, I, gotta, I gotta ask Jesus a question. Where is he? I don't know where he went. He's, he's off somewhere. Even his parents lost him. The parents lost God. Guess what? When the Holy Spirit fills you, when you have a belief in Jesus Christ, he doesn't leave you. Church, you've got to understand this, and I need a healthy, hearty amen on this. When God fills you with his spirit, when God takes up residence inside of you, it is in his, on his own volition, but he promises that he will not leave you or forsake you. When God fills you, he will not leave you. Amen? Church, I need a bigger amen than that because it is one of the greatest promises ever given to us. God will never leave us. Amen? Amen. amen? amen. And so the God inside of you is better than God next to you. And this is what is demonstrated through the Holy Spirit. Prophecy fulfilled from Christ. Prophecy fulfilled from the, from the Old Testament. All of which surrounding Jesus. And just for time's sake, let's look at this. Great division among the people. Verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Now skip down here. It says this, uh, verse 43, great division among the people. 
Verse 44, some people wanted to arrest him. Verse 45, the officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees. By the way, the officers had been sent to go arrest Jesus by the Pharisees. And they said to them, why did you not bring him? In other words, the Pharisees and the teachers were like, where's Jesus? We, we sent you to go get Jesus and arrest him. Where is he? Look what the officers said. Verse 46, no one has ever spoke like this man. That's their answer. The Pharisees are like, hey, God, uh, we sent you to go arrest him. Where, where is he? And the officers are like, have you, guys, have you heard what he said? We can't arrest him. No one's ever spoken like this guy before. And I love what they say here. Look at this. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? You can just hear the venom dripping from their mouth. Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Pause. What the Pharisees are demonstrating here is that they believe themselves to be a different class of human from the, quote, common folk. In fact, the Greek here is kicking back to an old Hebrew word that meant people of the land. People of the land basically meant hillbilly. Now, do we have any hillbillies in here? Come on. My grandparents from West Virginia, they didn't have an address. They had a holler. Okay? And so you, you want to say, like, where do you live? I, I live down in Raccoon Holler. Where? Oh, and everybody knew. And they knew, like, we, go, we don't, go, don't go to that holler. That's, that's dangerous, right? Like, but they're a hillbilly. But, but to them, what they were saying was it's an insult. Oh, all these hillbillies believe that he is the Messiah. None of us elite, us learned. See, the division was education. They believed that because they were learned, educated by proper scholars, they were above the hillbillies down here. And they told the officers, oh yeah, you're buying in with these hillbillies? And then look who stands up for Jesus. Verse 50, interestingly enough, a man by the name of what? Nicodemus. Old Nick at night shows up. Remember Nicodemus has a conversation with Jesus at night? And he says... He says to him, verse 51, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Did you catch that slam? Are you a hillbilly too, Nicodemus? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Why did this make people so angry? I've got to finish up here. Why did the teaching or the yelling of Jesus make these people so angry. We'll finish with this. I'll tell you why. Listen. Listen. It's because Jesus was pointing back to traditions that had been performed for thousands of years and said, you've been looking for that Messiah to come. That's me. You've been celebrating the symbolic nature of that rock. But that stood for me. You've been celebrating the foreshadowing that came with the, with the sacrifice of animals, that was me. You've been celebrating the faithfulness of God in the wilderness, that was me. You've been pouring water out over the stone, that water is me. You've been looking for Messiah, that's me. Application for us, church. What does this have to do with us today? Can I tell you this, something this morning? I believe it's the greatest application possible. I really do. When you read all of scripture, from the Old Testament 
to Revelation, I need you to understand something. Please listen in. Please listen. Listen. This book is only, has only ever been, will only ever be about the God-man Christ Jesus. Every Old Testament celebration, festivity, symbol, every single thing to the design of the tabernacle, to the days it took to create the world, all push forward the narrative and theological understanding that Jesus Christ is King. Today for us, I want you to know, nothing, listen now, nothing has changed. Jesus is still the rock. Jesus is still the faithful one. Jesus is still the water. Jesus is still God. It's always been Jesus. It is still Jesus. It will always be Jesus. And if you find yourself thirsting, you can come now to Jesus and he will fill you and he will save you and he will put you in a state where you will never thirst again. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you out to dry. He will never do you dirty. He will never do you wrong. He will stick with you, regardless from you, with your unfaithfulness. See, you got to understand, the entire Old Testament is the story about an unfaithful people and a faithful God. An unfaithful people who, regardless of God's faithfulness, continue to commit adultery, continue to commit idolatry, continue to lie, murder, cheat, steal. Not unlike us today. And the faithfulness of a God who chases after a people and convinces them that he is God and he loves them. Church, the story of Israel is the story of us. We are broken. We are messed up. We should be beyond saving. And yet God sends Jesus to us to demonstrate his love towards us. To prove that we are never too far from the saving hand of God. And I tell you today, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, if you are thirsty for truth, if you are thirsty for healing, if you are thirsty for salvation, come to the man Jesus Christ and drink and rivers of life will flow from your soul. Rivers of life will flow from your heart. You say, I don't know how that's possible. It's not possible on your own. You can't clean yourself up enough to get to God. You can't good habit it enough to get to God. Listen, my friend. It is dependent on the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And we are promised that when we come to Jesus Christ, lay down our lives, acknowledge that he is the king of the universe, that you will be filled with the eternal living God. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I want to just take a moment this morning and acknowledge the genius of Jesus. The genius of Jesus the timing of Jesus to stand up in the middle of a festival and declare everything you're doing right now is about me.
But also, church, today I want to give you an opportunity to meet this Jesus. I feel really led right now just to to share the fact that for some of us, whether we're here, online, listening, years down the road, for some of us, we've been wrestling. It's not that we don't believe in Jesus. It's, it's, it's maybe more along the fact that we don't think that we deserve to get to come to Jesus. And teachings like this from Christ help demonstrate that our salvation is not dependent on us. It's dependent on the faithfulness of God, and that's perfect. Listen, please, please listen to me. You do not have to clean yourself up to come to God. Please hear me. You are never beyond the reach of of Jesus Christ. The only thing that is required is surrender. And if you will surrender to our God, if you will declare that his, his son Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, who died and rose again, my friend, you will be saved. My friend, listen, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. Your sins will be cast away. Your home will be in heaven. So this morning I give you this opportunity. It's not me that gives it to you. It is God that gives it. But I wonder, would you pray with me today? There's no magic words. It's the faith that God gives you to accept the grace. But in your heart, would you just pray some semblance of this prayer with me? Say, God, I give you my life. I surrender myself to you. I believe that Jesus Christ is and was the Messiah. I believe that he is God, that he died for me and rose again for my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. And right now I want to give you an opportunity, fill in that blank. What is that sin in your life that has just been so challenging for you? Fill in the blank. God, I repent of my, fill in the blank. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's addiction to drugs, alcohol, pornography. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's just been selfishness. I don't know what it is. Give it over to him. Now, right now, friend. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again for me. Forgive me. I surrender my life. Save me. Create a home in heaven for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. My life now is for you. I willingly choose to walk into death for you. In Jesus' name, eyes closed, heads bowed. Listen, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. But I want to pray for you. And I, I think it's pretty important that we let somebody know that we pray to receive Christ. So I'm going to count to three. If you prayed that prayer this morning. If you're online, when I count to three, would you just give me a hand raise in our chat right down here? Let us know that you prayed to receive Christ. If you're in the room this morning, I'm going to count to three. If you prayed to follow Christ today, if you prayed right now to receive Jesus, I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand. You ready? Come on. If you can't raise your hand, I wouldn't put too much trust in what you just prayed. It's a bold prayer. You ready? One, two, let's go. Come on, three. Right now, you prayed that prayer. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Come on. You're not alone. Lift up your hand right now. You prayed that. Come on. You missed it the first time. You were a little scared. Now's your time. Yeah, I see you. Can I just pray for you, Father, right now? We welcome our new brothers, our new brothers and sisters in Christ. You are amazing. And the work that you do here is incredible. We're so thankful for it. What a brilliant honor it is to serve you, Father. We love you. But more importantly, you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, church, can we just celebrate our new family coming into Christ? Can we just celebrate? That's why we exist, to seek and save the lost. Pause real quick. I know we're over time. I just, I got to say this. I just got to say this stuff. What God is doing in this house is unreal. I promise you. I'm like 39. I turn 40 next month. I didn't mean to tell you that. I should have. But I turn 40. I've been in church. I'm, I'm going to be 40. I've been in church for like 41 years, if you understand what I'm saying. And what God is doing in this community is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Beyond any speaker, beyond any worship, beyond any teaching, God's presence and his movement here to draw lost people to himself is unbelievable. Do not take that for granted, church. Do you hear me? Don't. Pray that God continues to work here in the way that he has been working. It's incredible. I love you. I love what God's doing here. Can we just celebrate that one more time? Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us online. I got nothing else for you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.